Welcome to Spoilers Intended, a podcast about series, novels, and films. For this episode, the adaptation was heavily spun, and once it was all said and done, book fans might decide to shun. But did it cost us all the fun? That's right, we're talking Ready Player One. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. I'm Stephen Ford, joined, as always, by Andrew Knuckles. Hello there. And Joel Killingsworth. Hello. I almost cut you off on the there, Andrew. There. Drag that one out there. Hello. Was it always done? <laughs> you you have 2.5 seconds. If you run over your allotted 2.5 seconds, then we just can't be held Look, accountable. I am the editor. I can add as much sending time as I boy. want. Sending you to the loyalty center. <laughs> I can I can just make Joel silent for the entire oh, episode. It's oh. like it's like it's like dead air for three minutes, and then y'all are like, mm-hmm, yeah, no, yeah, that's yeah, that's a that's great point. Great. Yeah, <laughs> you know what? Okay, cool, cool. This Too is, bad no one will ever hear you. The most interesting thing I think I've ever heard. I think everybody listening will love what you just said. What's even better is this <laughs> explanation is also going to be silent, so they're not even going to know that. <laughs> Is this going to be the Andrew show? <laughs> oh no! Yeah, There's Steve, no intro. Andrew just starts talking to himself. <laughs> Stephen just is edging into the into the black box with me. Oh, not the boombox. Not the boombox. <laughs> Anyways, so as we've already mentioned, this episode is for Ready Player One, and that is the movie, not the book. Not the book. There are going to be a lot of allusions and callbacks to the book in this episode. It is almost unavoidable. However. We're talking about the movie. Uh, shout out to our Patreon, Daniel, who suggested this episode for us. Uh, thank you for that. If you would like to make your own suggestion, you can go to spoilersintendedpodcast.com and join our Discord or our Patreon or both. These are great ways to make suggestions for us for future episodes. And, and it's kind of in the point of like, if you just suggest it, we're probably going to do it at some point. Now, there's a there's no guarantee that it'll happen within the next century, but it will happen. Century. <laughs> this is a long-lived podcast already. Yep. Soon, TM. Soon. TM. <laughs> but before we jump into that, because we are headed into heavy-duty 80s nostalgia here, uh, we thought it'd be a little fun maybe to not quite reach back to the 80s for some of us. Uh, but to maybe talk about some nostalgic video games for us, so a little little different here. We're not gonna we're not gonna reference media, but we are gonna reference I mean, media. I mean, it's video media games you, are absolutely media. Media you interact with, interactive media, interactive as media. it were. <laughs> <laughs> so I think uh, I'm gonna give it to Andrew. Okay, sure. Okay, so my video game nostalgia thing, and I don't, I don't even know where we're going here, um, is. Raptor Call of the Shadows. This is a top-down action shooter yeah. that um, basically takes place in the um, in the industrialized future where you are a a pirate F fourteen fighter. Oh, so it's one of those where oh, the ground okay, is always is scrolling past yes. you. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So Nineteen forty-two, but with a little more um, uh, angle to it, kind of. Uh, no, it's it's still just one hundred percent top-down. I thought the 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 F-14 had like kind of 3D to where you kind of bank like up and no, down. No, you can. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you can, you have full range of movement within the entire screen. So mm -hmm. you can move all the way up to the top or move all the way back down to the bottom. And but you can't, you can't change on the Z axis though. Correct. Yeah. 
So basically the way that this game plays out is you are just this pirate fighter pilot that is um, going through and just destroying all of these um, bases of this like industrialized company, Mm -hmm. essentially. And you get money for for blowing up each of their buildings or ships or, you know, whatever. This is not necessarily a bullet hell game, if you're familiar with the genre, which is literally just so many bullets on the screen that you you have like very minimal amounts of movement. Mm -hmm. This is more action and arcade based to where you can... Um, you you can really move around a lot. You can purchase shields for your ship or different uh, weapons that mm-hmm. have like auto tracking and lasers and some that are only air to air, some that are only air to ground, those kind of things. Mm-hmm. And this was one of those games that I never actually fully owned the actual game. So this is a shareware game mm-hmm. um, where you could play like basically the first like three levels for free. And then if you wanted to play mm-hmm. more, then you'd have to purchase the full game for like, you know, 20 bucks or whatever. Yeah. Right. And I never, until, uh, until it came out on GOG, which is a uh, great old games or something like that. Um, <laughs> back in like 2010 or 2011, they, I'd never actually played the rest of the game. Mm-hmm. I'd mm-hmm. only played just the freeware version <laughs> of it. As you do when $20 is just unobtainium for an eight year old. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so I spent pretty much my trial, entire childhood because this was the only game that my computer would play besides another unnamed game, which Joel will mention soon. <laughs> uh, and, um, and this was the only one that I, that I had that wasn't like an educational game, like right. uh, Dr. Brain's Mystery Island or Gizmos and Gadgets. Yeah, I had one uh, like that. It was uh, it was a uh, Where in the World is Carmen Sandiego yeah, game yeah. on oh, a or, entire stack of three and a half floppy yeah, disks. Or, yep. yeah. <laughs> or, or like Where in Time is Carmen Sandiego. Yeah, I think I... Yeah, where she, she, where she steals yeah. like the um, uh, the Eiffel Tower or, yeah. or the pyramids. Yeah. yeah. But, um, but yeah, so this game is is fantastic. It's I think you can actually get it on Steam now for only uh, maybe like five bucks. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you were into top-down shooters, uh, it is fantastic it's at like it's actually really smooth mm-hmm. and it has um the the actual replayability is really good so whenever you go back to um basically a level that you've already played to get more money mm-hmm. it's actually the next difficulty higher yeah. so so yeah. if you if you start on easy next time you go back and be on normal next time you go back on hard next mm-hmm. time you'll be back on ace and so it makes it harder for you to actually farm more money until you have just, you know, basically once you get like the auto tracking weapons, it makes the game pretty easy to play. But there's still so much going on that you have to like constantly make sure mm-hmm. that you have enough um, shields and everything to fight the bosses yeah. at the end of each level. Yeah. So, so this is your, your Galaga, which is a yes. reference that is not going to appear in this movie. You're right. It's not. Um, but Galaga is also another, another really good one. But yeah. I can only play the actual, the true arcade version of it. All of the all of the Galaga versions that have come out on like PC or like emulators or whatever, they just don't they, feel they don't have the same like good. refresh rate or tactile mm. feel that the one in the arcade did because yeah. it's just running off of a different system. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's hard. To, it's hard to emulate that, honestly. Mm-hmm. Joel, uh, well, I am going to take uh, Star Wars Dark Forces mm. for my game. This this is a game that spawned an entire series of Star Wars games. There was Dark Forces, Dark Forces 2, Dark Forces 3, slash Jedi Academy, and then there was a spinoff Jedi Academy 2, just a whole that was, franchise. That was wrong. Um, that was wrong? It, it, so there's Jedi, Jedi, uh, Dark Forces 1, Dark Forces 2, then Jedi Knight, Jedi Outcast. Oh, that's right. And then Jedi Academy. That's right. Anyways, well, we got really pedantic. Joel? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, Dark uh, Jedi Outcast is probably one of the most 
um, amazing Star Wars games ever made. That Anyways, was, that one was really cool. I loved it. Not talking about it right now. Yep, so, <laughs> Dark Forces. <laughs> it, was, it was a really interesting experience looking back on it because it's a mixture of 3D animation with the environment and 2D animated um, characters. Mm-hmm. There were they were they were they had no depth to them. You saw one side of them or the other side of them. Yes, yep. <laughs> walking around uh, in this 3D environment, and so. With subsequent games, obviously, they they experimented with more mature technology. Uh, but this one, for me, it was my it was my older brother's game. And uh, initially, we didn't install it correctly. And so <laughs> you couldn't save your progress. And sometimes, like, files would get put in certain places and you would end up with, like, in-game gear at the very beginning. <laughs> it's just really weird stuff. Maybe your happened. brother was just trying to hack. He's like trying to <laughs> trying to push stuff around. But yeah, but if I could get the, the thermal detonators, yeah, it's so much easier. But you know, going through this one, this one, I was absolutely too young to play this one when I first started playing it because, like, once you once you got to like, I would I would get to the third level, which is where you kind of. You go down into the sewers and you have to fight Dianogas and it's dark. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's I remember terrifying. that level. They, and they, you can't see them until they start biting you and they go straight through your shields and hit your health. And it's just every time that you you see the, you hear the, t- and you see the, the, the red stuff show up on the screen. You're just like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> well, especially as a kid, it's just Yeah, terrifying. absolutely. Yeah. And uh, so it was, it was, I came back to it a few years later because a, a lot of times I would play up to level three and just be like, mm, no, I'm, I'm good. That was a fun two levels. Well, and, <laughs> and you uh, couldn't save it, so it was yeah. time to be done. <laughs> well, and the second level is actually pretty creepy too because you are going into essentially like a, a desolated base and mm-hmm. there's like dead bodies all over the place. Yeah, it didn't bother me. It was the dino. Okay, man. well, fine. It was the dino. Yeah, that man. scared me. The any anything that would get up in your face and do uh, unblockable damage, like that's the that's the thing that would trigger my fight or flight response. You did, know? Did you ever get to the level where? Um, I mean, I, I beat the game. Okay, yeah, yeah, where you are in Jabba's like uh, sail barge in space. Oh yeah, and you and had little to, you crate had to, dragons. You had to fist fight the crate dragons. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that took a few tries, uh, but that was definitely did not get to that point until after we had sorted out our incorrect install issues and could actually save. You yeah. Know. <laughs> Uh, oh yeah go ahead uh no but i was just saying that was that's kind of the first shooter that i ever played Mm -hmm. and really was my stepping point into both star wars video games in general and the shooter genre yeah Um, so my my fond memory of dark forces was sitting in my 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 kitchen uh, because this is where we had our computer at the time mm -hmm. and i had my little two button um joystick that that my parents so lovingly bought me and I attempted to play Dark Forces with a two-button joystick um, and just, like, one hand on the keyboard, you know, as, like, an eight-year-old. Mm-hmm. And um, it was impossible. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, because in your mind, like, as a kid, you're like, oh, I got this joystick and I have so much control over, mm-hmm. like, where I'm pointing. No, it is not how That's that not works how at all. No. Use that mouse. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, just the idea of, like, just having to, like, type in command codes into DOS just to open up a game yeah. is just so... Wow. I mean, it was cool. It was yeah. really you cool. Felt, I mean, felt like a hacker. Just, yeah. just turn <laughs> it on. Just, just turn anything it on. Up. Yeah. 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 <laughs> All right, Stephen. Uh, well, so you are I'm, the oldest. I am the oldest. <laughs> I am going to divert away from PC games. Okay. And plunge into the original Nintendo. There you go. Uh, Legend of Zelda. Okay. Okay. So this was 
uh, you know, we, we got a NES and it was a Christmas gift for my dad. And I like I'm, Which I'm was f- now absconded by kids. Well, so and I, that was the strategy. I'm pretty sure for my parents was, well, it's dad's. So if my sister and I tried to fight over it, then it could just be like, well, no one can play it because it's dad's. Mm hmm. So I, I think that that was actually the, the core strategy. That's actually a good strategy. Although my dad also I, would... I may or may not already employ that oh, yes, strategy. That's a good strategy. <laughs> but you also like the thing, right? Yeah, yeah I, I do enjoy the Switch. So yeah. Yes, yes. Uh, but my dad also did come home from work with oftentimes more arcade tokens in his pockets than change. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, he also was playing, you know, Top Gun and these kinds of things. And, uh, and then crashing on the aircraft carrier. The aircraft carrier is so hard to land on. That's not what this is about. But, <laughs> yes, I have vivid memories of really just the NES in general. But at, at my grandparents, which is when the gift was given, and we you know, hooked it up to the TV. Mm-hmm. And one of my grandfather cursing at the dog in Duck Hunt and, and, and of my dad being angry about the stupid aircraft carrier for mm-hmm. Top Gun. Uh, but that's not what this is about. This is about Legend, Legend of Zelda, Zelda. Uh, because this was the first game that like we really, really, really played. And when I say played, so this was you know the original you know the gold cartridge, and it came with this big fold out map of the whole uh, upper world. None of the dungeons, but mm-hmm. the upper upper world, and some parts of it are left blank that you had to explore, and some caves are marked. But there are all these spaces where if you have like the candle, you could just burn this bush and it would reveal a secret passage. You go down, you get, you know, bombs or rupees. And my sister and I made it our project over one whole summer of we checked every place that could be bombed, every rock wall, every bush, everything, and made marks on the map, you know, circled out this, this is where you get mm-hmm. rupees, this is where you get bombs, this is where you get arrows, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The whole map filled in all the blank spaces. And that, to me, that's really like when I think about playing on the Nintendo, that's what I remember was one of us playing while the other one was marking on the map. And, you know, one of us would direct, we even had kind of a, a system of, well, well, this way or that way meant left versus right. So we could say, go up, go this way, go up, go that way, et cetera, to like mm-hmm. move people around based on the map and stuff. Yeah. And like, well, one of us could beat this boss and the other one couldn't handle <laughs> this boss. So we'd hand the controller back and forth. So that's, that's for me, that's, that's the, that's the nostalgia was, was playing that with my sister. Um, so yeah, I mean, I still, I mean, I, I still have it. I still have the NES. Uh, it will still turn on. I don't currently have an adapter to get it onto modern TVs and I might regret the image I get. You <laughs> probably would. I, yeah. Uh, but I am curious to, to yeah. try. But yeah, I, I I can't find the map, so I'm a little disappointed by that. It's it's lurking somewhere out there. I know it. So my um, uh, I've actually never played a Zelda game. Wow, that's uh, despite being a, a pretty much wholly Nintendo um, uh, owner. Um, yeah, that's, I had that's I, had, pretty a, I had a Super NES or I had access to a Super NES, and then I had an N64, GameCube. And uh, then Wii and Wii U and then now Switch. And I'm, I'm just never, it's never really been hit me, but I'm not a big RPG guy. Yeah. And I mean, I, I would hesitate to call the original uh, Zelda's RPG, and they certainly are now, mm-hmm. um, or, or that kind of, you know, explore. I mean, well, it was kind of, it's kind of like Pokemon. A like bit, the, yeah. the, and that yeah. was my first, uh, I'll say like turn-based mm-hmm. combat um, There's no turn-based in Zelda. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. Because you're just fighting. Yeah. It's all, all action and adventure. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. You know, it's funny. We were not a slave to one uh, console manufacturer or the other. I think we went, <laughs> we went NES to a Sega Genesis to a 
N64 to a PlayStation 2 to an Xbox 360. I, I, I covered the full range. <laughs> I think I think for us, I think it was more just a lot of the more, um, I'll say quotation marks, wholesome games were mm, on Nintendo. Yeah. And uh, if you moved over into like PlayStation or Dreamcast or anything, that was the more adult themed games. Well, they, PlayStation and Dreamcast kind of promoted themselves as like the edgy. Yeah. Yeah. We're the radical teenager games. Yeah. <laughs> trying which, to play Tekken. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, that was fun. Yeah. Joel, so. did you ever grow up any with grow up with any consoles? Yeah, I actually had the same list that Steven had just starting later. So I started with the N64, went to PS2 and then Xbox 360. Oh, okay. Man yeah. of culture. Yeah. Right yeah. Here. yeah. So you just you had the full gamut. Yeah. So and my first Zelda game was Ocarina of Time. Which is perfect. And the thing is I played it in a time before the proliferation of easy access to walkthroughs and anything mm-hmm. like that. And I didn't realize that you could use the temple of time to revert back to being a little kid. Oh, so you couldn't like, and go so through the... And so I, I ended up just being stuck. The only places I could go, I couldn't find a way to get there because <laughs> you couldn't fit I, couldn't, I couldn't go. Yeah. I mean, you could, you could have gotten the, um, the Prima um, Nintendo Power Guide. Yeah, uh, totally. Through. Totally. That was a thing that I could have done with my... 10 year old money yeah well so my uh, this is just kind of getting off on a tangent my yeah. my favorite n64 game was jet force gemini uh which is I know that name um it is a, a a overarching span action adventure um uh, that is kind of first person and third person shooter at the same time mm-hmm. and they this was definitely one of the later n64 games where they pushed the limits of what the controller could actually you had, do. You had to have the like the graphics expansion you pack. Had, yeah, you had to have the expansion yeah. pack, but then the controller, if you wanted to switch into first person mode, then you'd have to like basically like claw your hands <laughs> to to use the C yellow buttons as moving and uh-huh. then the aiming was the actual uh joystick, but then like you had to like shoot with like the left and right, right triggers. Right. It was so weird. But um but you basically had to have the guide to play this game. Mm. Uh, there was no other way to do it just because you got to the end of the, like the first quotation marks half of the game. And they're like, Oh, by the way, all the things you're, you, you didn't know that you were supposed to save. You got to save them. Now you have to go back to every single <sighs> level with every single character yeah. and get every single one. And yeah. it's just like, Oh God. Ocarina of time. The water temple was the first introduction to, I think I'm going to go get a guide. <laughs> I'm so <laughs> sick of raising and lowering water levels and trying to figure out what has changed. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, ugh. Anyways, a little PTSD there, but <laughs> you see to see flashbacks. Oh yeah, just I can, I can see b- before you have the long shot, you just have the hook shot because you got the long shot in the water temple, so you have to like shoot it out to hit a post to spin it to raise and lower the water level, and it just doesn't reach because it's not the right one. And you know you have to find it, but you don't know where it is, and you can't figure out where the water. Le- ah, all right. <laughs> so moving on from that PTSD onto a different kind of PTSD, maybe. <laughs> We are going to be talking about Ready Player One, the movie. And Joel, you want to give us a little synopsis? Okay. So we're dealing with sort of a a near future dystopian society where we're looking at a post-economic collapse. Not not really like nuclear fallout kind of situation, but there's a major depression going on and and everybody is just kind of scraping to get by. Life is just kind of bad yeah and uh we also in this world everything is done online Mm. in a virtual environment called the oasis and so this is very similar to what a lot of people are attempting to construct in real life currently 
Ooh, the um, metaverse. with the metaverse and, metaverse. and projects of We're that nature. Um, <laughs> so it, it should be a concept that's, that's already somewhat familiar. And uh, schools are done this way. Jobs are done this way. Entertainment is done this way. Everything is done this way. And so we pick up with our main character, Wade, who is a gunter, which is an egg hunter. Um, and what he's doing is he is attempting to find Easter eggs that the original designer of the game placed there mm-hmm. as a puzzle, um, for essentially handing down ownership of this virtual world. Right. And it's after the creator has died. Right. So this is the terms of his will essentially mm-hmm. is whoever can solve my puzzles and claim the prize will claim ownership of this incredibly lucrative virtual space. Right. Because um, that's what you do when you have a multi-billion dollar you you know, go full franchise. Willy, just go full, full Willy Wonka. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and so from there, it is an enormous uh, 80s nostalgia fest yes. and 80s themed um, hijinks ensue. Although, interestingly enough, watching the movie, it's really easy to say it's 80s nostalgia themed from the book. But when you watch the movie, there's a lot of much more modern references. It, it, it's, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just more themed. Yeah. Just, just, it, hey, the, like, like the whole movie is the Leonardo, Leonardo DiCaprio meme of just pointing at the screen. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, I've seen that before. I've seen that. Oh, before. I know what that is. Yeah. yeah. Oh, look, it's that new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles characters that no one saw the movie of. With the noses that aren't there. Yeah. Or like, oh, look, it's Halo. At least this was made before Cats. Oh, Oh, no. (laughs) Oh, wow. What a... Oh, that's horrible. The score... How dare you even speak that name? (laughs) So anyway, speaking of score, um, we have this split up between our uh, technical score and our entertainment value. Um, our technical score is split up across our four pillars of review, that being spectacle, performance, score, and plot, uh, for which we gave this film a 6.2 out of 10. So not great. That's not, that's not the worst. It's not the worst, but it's not, it's not really something to be proud of (laughs) per se. Um, and then we keep our entertainment value score separate because your enjoyment of a film or series or, or novel is not necessarily directly related to how technically good it was. Uh, and in this case, we enjoyed it even less. We gave it a 5.3 <laughs> out of 10. <laughs> uh, pretty, pretty brutal. Uh, yeah. Now, I know all of us are book readers mm-hmm. of the of Ernest Cline's novel. Yes. Right? Yes. Uh, uh, I think we all read that before watching the film. Yes. And I, I also believe that all of us are fans of the novel. I, I, I was kind of cool on it. Like it was an interesting concept, but I, I didn't connect with any of the characters. Okay. Um, so the, the actual ride was a bit tedious, mm-hmm. uh, I found from the book, but, um, dealing with the concepts was very intriguing. So, so what's interesting is I'm actually kind of, was kind of on the flip side. So I read the book in one sitting mm-hmm. and I mean, that's, there's caveats. I read reasonably fast, not, not the fastest or whatever, but reasonably fast. And I, I, mean, I was up to like four just to finish it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it wasn't necessarily for the ride, but more just for how much I enjoyed the shout outs and call outs to the eighties. And, and the, like the actual like mystery of the hunt. Yeah. The, the, the puzzle and the clues and like the, you know, there, there are, I don't, I don't want to go into specific things that occur in the book here because that's not what we're really here for, but there are specific scenes that were just like, man, this is so great mm-hmm. because it's just, 
again, I'm, you know, I guess I'm, I'm not guess I am the oldest one here, but probably more of that hit for me, especially mm-hmm. having, you know, an older sister and these kind. I know you have older brothers, but there's almost a, such a gap there sometimes. Yeah. Uh, so a lot of that hit really well. So of course, then we, we come to the movie and it's kind of like, well, this just doesn't scratch that same itch because, uh, well, we, we've got some nostalgia, but it's all over the place. <laughs> Yeah, so with, uh, and I'm kind of on the same lines with, with Stephen here, I read it in two settings, uh, and, and like actually read it, mm-hmm. not, oh, wow. uh, this was before the audiobook kind of craze hit, mm-hmm. and whenever, you know, I just got the book, and I was like, here it is, we're going to yep. read the whole thing, and I read the whole thing in, in basically two days, um, and not because like I... I genuinely love the story. It was kind of more of like, I really like the mystery of it, mm-hmm. of of trying to figure out some of the clues. But then there are some other concepts in the book that were just so fascinating mm-hmm. to me that mm-hmm. uh, one of the key elements in just the book, and this isn't really a spoiler, but there's a part where the characters are inside of a popular movie and they are basically playing one of the characters that are in the movie, but they have to play it to be like play it accurately yeah so like if you if you met if you flub a line or if you flub a movement then you know you get deducted points and whatnot mm-hmm. and that is just one of the coolest ideas mm-hmm. i've ever like ever like heard of from a game standpoint yeah no that was that was one of those that was the thing i was trying to avoid spoiling basically but that was <laughs> an you know what? We, i'm not gonna tell you what it was but this is what happened uh no, like that, like reading through that and just all like the little pieces and the mm-hmm. clues and kind of, you know, you know, bring out the nerd in me here, but the kind of the, the amount of research that he goes into it and, you know, diving into a lot of these fairly, you know, obscure, uh, obscure or, or not like they just weren't like Joust was just not a game. Like I was a new Joust. I played Joust. Was I obsessed with it? No, it was a hard, stupid game. <laughs> yeah. But like just like that kind of commitment to these kinds of games just fascinated me. Yeah. And so, you know, fast forward to 2018, whenever Steven Spielberg um, directed and produced this film, Ready oh Player One. Oh my gosh, was it really 20? It was 2018. Yes. That is so uh, long ago and also not very long ago. Um, the, and, you know, we're, we're kind of, you know, we're gushing a little bit on the book just because it, it really f- scratched a lot of these itches mm-hmm. that had a lot of these, you know, these concepts that we really liked. And they took it and they said, we like we see all this and we're just going to move it to the side and we're going to do everything over here that is nothing like the book. Yeah. It, <laughs> so it moves very much into kind of the action adventure realm. Yeah. As opposed to the puzzle mm-hmm. solving realm. kind yeah, of. Yeah, like like the puzzles are still present in in completely different forms, but mm-hmm. like the 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 process of solving puzzles is still central to the plot. Mm-hmm. But the puzzles themselves are simplistic and uh, like the the ways that they go about solving them are just like, well, OK, yeah, I uh, guess. Barely, <laughs> barely even hard to like solve yeah. for them or at least what it seems they make it seem like it, it's, it's not hard. very it does feel very effortless. Like yeah. Once once. And I think maybe that's maybe that is part of what gets me is because even once he figures out what he needs to do in the book, there's still skill involved. Like he has to be able to beat this game. Or he has mm-hmm. to be able to do this. Whereas these is like, well, once you know the trick. Well, it's just easy. Yeah. You just mm-hmm. do it. Yeah. So. Yeah. So, you know, there's uh, there's also some issues with um, the way, you know, whenever you're translating a book into a film, especially a book that one has a ton of inner monologue, but then it also takes place in a completely virtual world. Mm-hmm. You have to really sell 
the CGI that you're going to be utilizing mm-hmm. um, for the characters and the environments and everything. And there are definitely moments in the film that look fantastic. There are also character moments, like specifically character models and and just like character interactions within the Oasis mm-hmm. that just don't really do anything. They don't like it. Like they're just kind of like, I don't know. They just don't, it doesn't look good. Yeah. So that's interesting. I, I actually had kind of a, the opposite take on that because I felt that the, the way that they did the CGI texturing for the in-game avatars mm-hmm. was to me seemed like an artistic choice to go in a direction avoiding realism on purpose. Be- oh yeah. Because mm-hmm. they're like, we're reminding you that we're in a game these things aren't supposed to look real because mm-hmm. we're in the game right now. Yeah. Well, so I think where it falls down, and this is kind of a mixture of the issue of CGI and also uh, what they went for with all the properties that were on display, mm-hmm. is when you have large objects and scenery pieces, those are easy to kind of make look good in uh, CGI because it's consistent. Like we have an icy landscape. Well, that's pretty much consistent with itself, but where the characters kind of fell apart is they're kind of conglomerations of all these pieces, even from looking, going from one character to the next or going from a character's head to their torso where there's no consistent style to them, but there's also that kind of veneer of pseudo realism CGI put on top of it. If Mm -hmm. that makes sense. And to me, I think that really highlighted the fact of just how much a bunch of these different characters and properties that were put in it just didn't fit in the world because their style wasn't there because it was kind of smashed flat underneath that that final layer. That, that's a really interesting point because looking at the latest Kingdom Hearts release, um, there's mm-hmm. been a, a lot of images that kind of showcase the same issue mm-hmm. because, you know, you have the main character who's like a Final Fantasy art style mm-hmm. and right. you've got like Goofy in the background <laughs> and standing next to, um, you know, the captain from the Black Pearl and Pirates of the Caribbean, right? And right. those three are just vastly different, very, very different, but they all have the same, they all have to be rendered in the same engine. So they're going to look like they have the same texturing package on them. Right. And so there's just kind of a sort of an uncanny valley in and of itself about that because mm-hmm. you're mixing so many different styles. Mm-hmm. And so I can see that being off-putting because you're going to encounter the same sort of thing whenever you're pulling from so many different art styles. Yeah, it just it just it was one of those things where it's just kind of unavoidable and because they kind of committed to preserving what each individual property should be and not like just enforcing a full like a stylization of that mm-hmm. that was consistent with itself throughout the universe. So it feels it just makes the characters feel really off in a mm. way that is hard to I'm trying to describe it now, but it's hard to describe and it's hard to pin down, but it just kind of (laughs) sticks with you throughout the whole movie, for me at least. So that that was not something that I ran into, but I can see what you're talking about. So, um, and kind of piggyback off that, the, um, both the book and the film, uh, uh, the Oasis is is very inconsistent with what, um, what players are, and and items are kind of capable of doing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, Because basically like the, I'll say just the power level for just lack of a better term goes from either completely useless to just game ending overpowered. Yes, right. Yeah. And all of that, all everything in between is is obtainable to any player, period. Mm-hmm. And um with that, you can also make your character look like anything you mm-hmm. want. You can I mean like there's so many different options in the sense of 
there's there's quite literally no rules and that's one of the core you know themes of, yeah, of it's, it's freedom yeah of of Halliday and the VR game that he essentially made mm-hmm. and when you have that like you run into a lot of of inconsistencies of like well this character can do this now but then they also could technically do it later but they don't yeah. it's kind of like the superman complex where yeah. they mm-hmm. you, you know he kind of forgets that he has powers sometimes yeah to to work their way around writing themselves into a hole yeah, no, that, that, yeah, there, there, are, and we'll we'll get deeper into the plot, you know, a little later when we can talk particulars. But yeah, there are some, some inconsistencies there as well. Yeah, uh, that that definitely hurt. And I, I don't know if it was just a move into the more of the action adventure, or just the fact that they kind of left you know a a written and well received book behind. In a sense. I, I think I think probably some of the the general change choices that they've made for the film is honestly because of general licensing. Yes, uh, there absolutely. Are, you know, when you're, when you're writing a book, it's completely fiction. You don't have to license basically anything. Yeah. It's just it's just words on a page. But the second that you introduce a visual medium. Yeah, you're using likenesses. You're, you're using yeah. likenesses and it's a whole different ballgame. And, uh, you know, one reason why WB, um, I, I'm pretty sure WB. It was WB. Yeah, WB basically has a, a very large breadth of of characters mm-hmm. and likenesses that they can use, but there's also not all of them. Yeah, yeah. And whenever you run into that, you have to pay lots of money for it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people that are financing these these kind of films, they have to accept that they're going to pay, you know, $14 million for, you know, 10 seconds of a, a Starfighter yeah. from, from Star Wars or whatever. Yeah. So, you know, there's there's a whole lot of... Um, of kind of playing ball and trying to balance how much your budget is and then how much you actually want to concede to to changing the story. And it's possible that they got to kind of like a, a general estimate of what the movie would cost just to get everything that mm-hmm. they wanted in there. And they saw it and they're like, you know what? Let's just take all of this stuff and let's move it over to the side. We're going to use basically 95% of all of our um, individual licenses because we can already do that mm-hmm. for yep. free. And we are going to cater the story around that. Well, I mean, that's why, you know, they, they have a scene, you know, we reference in the book, oh, they, they act in this scene, right? Well, they have a scene from a movie, mm-hmm. I'm name it, where they participate in to some degree, right? Yeah. Well, there's a reason why that's not the movie that's in the book, and it's because Warner Brothers owns the rights to that movie. They yeah. don't own the rights to the other movies. Yeah. So and they're just like, well, well, we'll pick something. Yeah, and, it, and it's possible, too, that, like, they could get the rights to say the name or say the use the music or, you know, do this kind of mm-hmm. thing or that. But then they don't have the rights to use the likeness of a certain actor or, mm-hmm. or a character. Yeah, yeah. like there, there's so many ins and outs when you get into a visual medium that are roadblocks essentially for someone that wants to use your IP. Yeah, particularly yeah. with something that is so heavily referential to other mm-hmm. works as this is. And it's and it's absolutely necessary for it, for the story. Like, you yeah, have the, to the entire to story is about references. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's. I actually uh, I made a note about that it was a, a spectacle of how to get so many properties into one movie or just practice for Space Jam 2. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, as we prepare to connect to the intermission, if you can't stand the nostalgia of spoilers, then this is your time to zero out. If you like what you've heard so far, then check out our other content at spoilersintendedpodcast.com. But if you're ready to see what else the Oasis can offer, then strap on your X1 haptic bootsuit with the microfiber crotch inlay, because it's time to boogie. 
Alrighty, everyone, welcome back from the intermission. I hope you enjoyed that, and I hope you did not put in your microfiber crotch inlay because <laughs> that's an actual line in a movie. And dear lord, I, I die a little inside every time I, you say it. So much crit. I'm gonna keep saying it. We're gonna. I just took You're gonna away kill one by year the end of your of life. <laughs> um, oh, oh man. So, uh, well, if you didn't get the message, it is all spoilers all the time from here on out. And here we go. We're going to kick it off with the spectacle. Yep. And I'm going to change it. I'm going to take it first. Sure. Knock yourself out. So I have to get on the right page for this. Apparently I wasn't, wasn't as prepared to go first as I thought, but I you played yourself. I did play myself. <laughs> I gave spectacle a seven. Okay. So you know what? I'm going to give him props. I got to see an RX-78 on screen fight that, that, Godzilla. That's a Gundam just for Just for, for reference. Yeah, yeah that, is, that is the granddaddy of all Gundams, the mm -hmm. original mobile suit Gundam. And it was beautiful. It was beautiful, right? And, it, and it, it, the way it moved was great. I loved it. I want, like, just, just take that action scene and just take that and put that with other Gundams and then make a movie out of that. And do that. Yeah. <laughs> That's all you have to do and, and, and you never, will get my money. And never show me the characters in that CGI, please. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, so yeah, like I got those moments. They were great. I was super happy with that. And then the camera kind of panned down and we saw someone's face and just like, Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, you know, besides that, you know, another complaint and it was something that I did not notice the the first time we saw it, you know, we all saw it in theaters, right? Yeah. I'm pretty yeah, sure actually we I saw all it, saw it together. together in theaters. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, a long time ago, 2018, a long, long time ago. Anyways, uh, <laughs> And at the time, I was like, well, this is, this was, you know, it was decent. It was, it was okay. And now, you know, watching it at home, uh, you know, they have this whole scene with The Shining, right? And nothing about The Shining was CGI. Like the, the, like the yeah. hallway scene. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's just, they just played the movie and they put the CGI characters in it. Mm -hmm. And the CGI characters struggle, like in like the hallway with H. He has, or he or she has no interaction with the environment whatsoever. Because it's it's the CGI just on the movie, yeah, and that was that was kind of tough. That was that was kind of frustrating. And like other bits within that set piece, yeah, of course they were interacting because it wasn't just they weren't just ripping straight film reel, yeah. Uh, but like that one in particular stood out pretty badly. And you know, I mentioned it in the in the pre spoiler stuff about how like just just the attempt to make things consistently inconsistent really kind of hurt. It felt like, yeah. Well, in particular, the, the whole Shining sequence just doesn't really make any sense at all. So, be, because essentially, like, they are, they're all, like, in the simulation together. Mm -hmm. And then the second that they kind of, like, figure out the clue, which isn't really that much of a clue at all, they, they just um, all get kicked out except for Artemis. And then she figures it out by jumping on some zombies just to go, like, yeah, she, like save the like girl from dancing. Yeah. Yeah. It, and then, you know, then she gets it and then like everyone else goes and goes through and do it again. It's just, mm, there's problems. That's, that's plot. That's a plot issue. Problem. I know. I know. I'm trying but, not to like harp <laughs> on it too much. No, no. The, the scene, like it had, it had spectacle issues, right? Where they just didn't line up as well as it should yeah. have. And then had other issues as well. And it was just kind of, you know, it was a, it was a plug and play. They had to, they had to swap out war games for something. Yeah. And they picked the shining. I don't. I, I guess maybe to play it off for jokes. Well, and I guess also, I mean, it works 
this is plot. I'm gonna I'm gonna leave that one alone. <laughs> yeah, somebody else move, pick move up. Along. Somebody else right. pick up. Spectacle. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and uh, we're Nabbit. gonna shift tone a little bit because right. I gave spectacle a ten. Oh my god! What? No, no, no. Okay, what? and that is because no. that is because no, I felt I felt I hurt me a little bit to put a seven, <laughs> but I couldn't not do it because again I got there's just some pieces they deserve it. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. here's here's my justification for this ten. Oh my gosh! What they set out to do was make nostalgia the movie. And oh my gosh, did they do that, right? It may not be the nostalgia from the book. It may not be the nostalgia that you wanted, but they grabbed every single piece of IP that they could get their little money grubbing hands on and they shoved it into this thing. But, it is the meme mm. of the car salesman patting the top of the movie and saying, <laughs> there are so many references that we can squeeze into this bad boy. I mean, okay. Yeah, no, that, that's, that's a valid And that argument. is absolutely what they set out to do and they absolutely hit it out of the park with there are so much going on in every single action piece yes. that it is you miss stuff because there's just too much. And from that perspective, like signing on for that ride, I felt like it was it was a 10. OK. All right. I mean, I don't disagree with you in the sense of, yeah, they cramped like they like put a lot in yeah. there. It just didn't always look good or didn't always make <laughs> and, sense. And, and like I, said, I mean, the, the sense part, sure. But like the the the. The difference in styles and the, I don't know, it just, it didn't hit me with the same sort of uncanny yeah. valley experience that yeah. you're describing. Yeah, man, I, I, it hurt, like putting a seven down hurt me a little bit here. I I couldn't imagine putting double digits on that one. All right, so Andrew? I've, I've done my thing. I've been generous. Andrew, what you got? Okay, so um, I also had a very hard time giving this a seven. Okay, um, and so you didn't? No, I did. Okay. okay. Uh, <laughs> I, no, I, I, I gave it a seven out of ten. Um and mostly because the the final battle is is very cool. Mm -hmm. um, it is it is definitely um, one of the highlights of the film. It is really fun seeing just like especially all the different weapons and stuff that they're using. Yeah, because if you're familiar with a lot of like first person shooters and everything, like you you get to see a lot of that, which mm -hmm. is really fun. Yeah, particularly Halo. Like I picked up a lot of the Halo. A lot, stuff a lot of Halo. Right. Yeah. Um, then I, then just kind of at the beginning, whenever he's kind of explaining some of the world and uh, they're on planet Doom and H is like fighting people. And then you mm -hmm. have Jim Rayner mm -hmm. um, yeah. as Starcraft, you know, walking around. Like, like those kind of things are really fun. And whenever you see a CG, like a, a traditionally CGI character in there, they look fantastic. Yeah, because no, that, is, that is what they're meant to look like. Mm -hmm. And then you you see Parsifal and you see Artemis and they just they're kind of cringy. Um, uh, the one thing, okay, the one thing I do like about Parsifal is that he has a wind setting for his hair. Yeah, and whenever he hits it, it just kind of <laughs> just switches <laughs> around. But um, I had a really like, and this you know this is probably book bias, but I had a very different idea of what Artemis was going to look like mm -hmm. in the book. Uh, and then when I saw how they render, how they character created her in the movie, it just like it's just never one of those things that ever sat well with me. Oh, fish lady. Uh, yeah, it's just really weird. I don't like her eyes. Like, and she has like the porcupine hair, and I don't know. But you know, like, I'm, I, but I still give it a seven. And like the the scenes that I mean, like everything is still beautifully rendered. Mm -hmm. Um, but the stuff that is not beautifully rendered is basically everything in real life uh the especially the the quotation marks ch car chase scene at the end of the film um just does not look good at all oh yeah. it's, it's hilarious like, yeah. national treasure did a better car chase oh yeah this. they did like are you kidding me <laughs> um well because it was 
actual cars. Yeah. <laughs> um, but then, like, whenever they blow up the stacks uh, halfway through the film, mm. uh, just, like, the CGI there just doesn't look really, like... No, like, it didn't look good. Yeah, I mean, so we're talking about the Oasis. Like, that's generally where most of the film takes place. Mm-hmm. But, like, there there are other things, you know, that happen to where the probably the only, like, quotation marks, uh, like, practical, like, in real life effects that I really enjoyed was the the walking hologram of whenever he's talking to Sorrento for the first time. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of, like, building that, him. That and, was a great effect. Yeah, actually, really yeah. cool. But uh, a lot of the other stuff where, like, they're still very much in reality and they're just trying to do just normal action movie kind of things yeah. just doesn't really track. Yeah. Now, uh, so <laughs> I, I, I can see that. I'll, I'll, I'll olive branch. I saw Joel dying inside yeah, as I'm I was like, making mm, a good point. My, uh, my, yeah, my tin isn't aging well. Really. <laughs> <laughs> you, were, you were very enthusiastic about... The Oasis stuff. Yeah, which is totally yeah. fine. And you know what? I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to olive branch. I'm going to give a, a good point to the real life stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, specifically the scenes where you're in, in the final battle, where you're going from the between the final battle to the IOI war room. Yeah. When like large amounts of the Sixers get killed and they're all in their little like harnesses and they all just down. Well, so I thought that was actually. It's very rule of cool. However, it's it, not, makes it makes no, no sense. sense. No, it's It's. <laughs> It's gonna come up again in the plot, don't you worry. <laughs> but but for rule of cool, oh, it looks look, it, it looks, looks it looks great. great. Yeah, yeah. When especially whenever um, the, the cataclysm uh, goes off. No, not even the, the cataclysm, but uh, just whenever like someone like kind of like whips the ground and it kills like a line of people and it go, like and oh, it hits yeah. like all the line yeah. like behind it. There's no way that in game they're in that same category. Yeah. No, no, it's, like, great, it looks it's a great. It's a great visual yeah. effect. It just makes no sense. Yeah. yeah. No. We, <laughs> Laura and I were both, while we watched this, we were both just like, wait a minute. Well, he's yeah. like, here, have a railgun. He shoots like six people in a row and then all those mm-hmm. people just happen to be right behind each yeah. other. It's, anyways. They could have, if they had just, no, a plot, I'm going to leave that be. Uh, anyways, <laughs> moving forward, this is, this is going to be an entertaining one. I can already tell you that. Uh, performance. Oh, man. Joel, you want to start first? Yeah. Let's so high. <laughs> So I was generous and I gave it a six. That oh was, yeah, let's go, boys. <laughs> um, I I felt like let's let's actually talk about some stuff that was good out of this. Ben Mendelsohn playing Sorrento, rocks. fantastic. Yep, I have never seen anything that he has done that I have not absolutely loved. He's a fantastic uh, actor. L- Lauren, I also had the realization. Oh, is that Krennic? Like, yeah, yes, he's a good bad guy. <laughs> yeah, um, and then. Honorable mention, Mark Rylance as Halliday mm-hmm. um, sold a eccentric Autistic. genius. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, particularly in the, in the ending scene where Wade is kind of interacting with the pseudo AI version mm-hmm. of, of Halliday. Like mm-hmm. it was really good. Oh yeah, no, from he, his half of the scene. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I love I, I love in that scene whenever he is kind of sitting on his desk and he's like, "Oh yes, the egg." Where's the egg? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And he's like kind of like yeah, fumbling yeah, yeah. around everywhere. And I'm like, okay, that's great. Yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> um, but basically everybody else in the film. Was- TJ Miller. TJ, TJ Miller. TJ Miller is IROC. His, it was, his bits helped okay. a lot. I, I don't, in, I did not enjoy his performance. That is not to say it was not quality. So, so there is an issue, right? Uh, I, I'm just going to go ahead and jump in, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I gave performance a five. Okay. Ooh, man. Um, You're still too generous. <laughs> I, well, we have Ben Mendelsohn yep. doing what he can with what he was given, mm-hmm. which he did a pretty good job for the most part because what he was given was pretty bad. 
they had him say some really bad lines. Uh, and the, the reason why like TJ Miller stood out to me is because the weakest points for this are when we put uh, Sorrento into the Oasis because we lose who he is. He doesn't yeah. get to have yeah. the same emotion. And I mean, that's, that's how like Ben works, like his face when he sells. Yeah, he, the, he has very good facial expressions. Oh yeah. And so you just lose all that. So I think him getting to interact off of IROC where IROC just has the total out there. So how are we doing? Oh, well, you know, my neck. <laughs> like, of, of, and a lot of people say a lot of cringy things because they were given terrible dialogue. And his dialogue, I'm not here to say that it was wonderful, but it was at least funny. <laughs> okay. And it, and it stood out. Yeah. Right? It yeah. stands out. Uh, outside of that, I actually really liked, um, uh, I've lost the name. Back up, back up, back up. Uh, Lena Waith. I've probably mispronounced that. H, H. H. Yeah. Uh, especially like for like the shining bit, you know, I, I'm ding, I ding them on the shining for not being able to get the CGI mixed into it. But the whole, just like, is this, is this a scary movie? Yeah. Oh, you know, <laughs> you know, I don't watch scary movies. Come on out. And then it's like, Oh, Hey, Hey little girls is like, we all know where this is going. Yeah. Yep. And H doesn't. And that payoff is actually pretty good. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so I thought that the, her job there and also in real life was actually pretty good. Yeah. Um, the, I, some of some of the scenes whenever she's like driving the van, uh, but very the, very those much were just lost. We're, we hit plot. We're gonna get into that van. We're gonna get so <laughs> far into that van. Well, no, but it, it's really just like it's very much the the James Bond Sean Connery driving down the road with a with like a projector behind him, yes. and he's just kind of like moving, moving his hands the, back yeah. and forth. They have yeah. the Hollywood wheel where the wheel just loosely moves <laughs> yeah. everywhere. Yeah, but I mean that's that's not so much. That's just what she got. Yeah. And, and she at least sold out for the one. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Sure. Andrew? Uh, okay. Um, so I gave it a four. Yeah. yeah. Now, these, um, are, these are all deserved scores. Yeah. <laughs> so um, kind of, you know, everything. Uh, basically, the only saving grace for me was Ben Mendelsohn mm -hmm. and TJ Miller. Um, Olivia Cook was okay. Um, yeah. she, she wasn't given good. Um, um, she wasn't really given a good script. No. And the and this is more of a plot thing, but I'm sad that whenever you have um, good female actresses that are just relegated to being a love interest and and basically only serve the plot to be a romantic thing. Uh, I mean, she actually does. She does a she couple things. She actually does kind of more in the movie, I think, than in the book because she's the one that infiltrates IOI here, whereas in the book. Yeah, it it's, is, it's Wade. Uh, Wade. Yeah. yeah. So like there is a couple. But again, plot. Plot things. plot things yeah, yeah. We'll, um, we'll get to that point but honestly the the biggest travesty was um ty sheridan as wade, wade. yeah your lead was has gotta be better yeah. so um i think it was just a miscast um i feel that he doesn't fit the look of what wade watts probably should be uh just being as like a essentially a a shut-in nerd mm -hmm. that that basically only lives in you know Halliday's world of just trying to, to figure out you know clues and, yeah. and information and everything, but then he also just Ty himself just I mean maybe it's just the lines he was given you know I haven't actually seen anything else in yeah I haven't, that, I haven't that seen he's anything done. Of his. I'm assuming that he was in Maze Runner because he looks like a guy that would be in Maze Runner and. <laughs> Um, whenever I say he that played, I do he played Cyclops in X-Men Apocalypse, um, That's not that, that doesn't help him. Yeah. But, but basically like he just doesn't, he just doesn't fit that 
thing and every man every time he just like talks whenever he's like especially at the end when he's like making his big That's speech big grand speech yeah. oh man every time he says fight he like kind of like breaks he's like fight so 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 you know what uh you know what? i hate to say this but you know who, you could have been in that role uh <laughs> tom holland, tom holland. <laughs> he's so hot right now um, he he probably would have handled the the awkward shut inside yeah better. um I, yeah i don't know it was maybe it's just because he looks a little bit too old for the role yeah because he's he's supposed to be high school yeah he's supposed to be like eh, he's supposed to be like 17 i think yeah it's still high school okay sure <laughs> um but yeah i, I don't know it, it was and and there were a lot of complaints from you know book fans right because Wade in the book undergoes kind of a transformation mm-hmm. and we don't we don't we don't, we don't have that. the yeah, physical transformation yeah. and he's already just kind of physically fit yeah and yeah. like th- I don't know that's necessarily a loss or like a was a need for the casting well it's 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 a difficult thing to get out of an actor for something as short term as a film production right yes. like you can, yeah. you can get a physical transformation if you're running a multi-year tv show oh easy well, well or or you can get them to bulk up for the movie or slim down for the movie but you can't get them to slim down and then bulk up or right. bulk up and then slim down yeah. for the movie and if they do then it's probably hurting them they it's should probably, probably not do that <laughs> yeah. yeah should stop uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure that that's what happened with christian bale um and uh, from um, the machinist to yeah the, yeah uh, to batman. batman yeah yeah, yeah. he uh, should also stop yeah he he, yeah stop. He, he's very good at um bulking up and and, and losing and losing weight <laughs> anyways uh but yeah i mean i know that was a complaint and it was kind of like they tried to hit kind of a middle ground yeah i think and yeah i just it just didn't really ult- do much it was just a mis. and and there's just the dialogue is so bad that you had you really had to be someone good to save that and there's no hope yeah it, it's also kind of sad that uh daito and show which shoto in the book i don't know mm-hmm. why they changed the I name there i guess they just didn't um, like the rhyme i, don't I know. maybe but they, unfortunately, they just didn't really get anything else besides just being the generic Asian. Yeah, I mean, you're introduced to them from the beginning of the movie, and you barely get anything from any, them as any a interaction yeah. at all. Yeah, they're just uh, kind of stand-in generic, and that just kind of well. And, and in the book, there, I mean, like you still don't get a lot of interaction with them, but you do get some, and what you do get is actually pretty nice. Yeah, no, you actually get and, real and you get some decent range. Of, now, granted, there's there's big. Um, changes big there. changes because mm-hmm. uh, Shoto, no, da- Daito, Daito dies yeah. in the book. Yeah, Ioi kills him. Yeah. So, you know, it's like there's there's a lot of other things. We're just throwing, spo- I guess I we mean, could we, put we, out spoilers yeah, for we, the book, but you know, we it's just, too late. We need to go over to plot before we can finish these conversations. Though. Know, so let's yeah. let's move on into the score. score. Yep. And uh, we'll start on what I believe is going to be a high note. Um, and I gave score an eight. That's pretty high. And, That's relatively high. And so I ultimately I was kind of I was I was waffling on this one because taken individually, listening through the score, it's it's all high quality composition. Yeah. Um there, Al- Alan Alan Silvestri. there's there's all sweeping and driving and everything that you want out of an action adventure mm-hmm. score, but ultimately it is uninspiring. Yeah, that's 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 and so that's that's a that's a that's a seven or an eight, and I I ended up high. I think you're I think you're being a little too generous here. Uh, I gave it a seven, Mm -hmm. okay, Um, but mostly because the main theme for Alan Silvestri is very good, Mm -hmm. Um, and I wouldn't. It's one of those where it's like I could definitely pin it as a Silvestri composition, but Mm -hmm. I couldn't pin the film immediately. But I could probably figure it out. 
if I listen to the yeah. whole thing now, because I, you know, I, you go through like the library of music that you have and you're just like, okay, well, it's not that film. It's not this film. Mm-hmm. And eventually yeah. you're going to land on it. Yeah. But the other thing is too, um, because like, you know, you have the Sylvestri soundtrack, but you also have all of the pop, mm-hmm. um, 80s music that, that kind of proliferates the film. Yeah. And with that, like you have some fantastic, um, some really good tracks and, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy came out in 2014. Something like that. Yeah, or 2016, Joel, maybe. Joel's going to it came work. out before yeah. Ready Player One. It came out before this. And, um, it, you know, obviously this is definitely a film that calls for that kind of insertion of mm-hmm. just straight popular media. Um, nostalgic. Nostalgic media. media. Yeah. And they used it well. Yes. Uh, probably my favorite part that I, I that genuinely got a good, um, like, ooh, yeah, was whenever right right when the 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 final battle was happening mm-hmm. and he lifts up the boom box and starts playing... Um, we're not going to take it. Yeah. Yeah. And and that is just fantastic. Well, and it's a double call out, right? Because mm-hmm. you're getting uh, the movie reference for... Uh, um, um, oh, oh, no. Oh, my gosh. I can see the scene. I could almost name the actor, but I can't. <laughs> but but it's a movie. It's a nostalgic movie call out from the 80s. Yeah. Is it Matthew Broderick? Um, uh, I don't think it's Broderick. No. Oh man! No, it starts with the C. Oh, I'm, I'm, look this. Yeah, you're in charge. I'll look it up. All right. Mean, meanwhile, Guardians I, of the Galaxy came out in 14. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah I knew it. Try. Yeah. yeah. So, so I gave it a seven. Uh huh. And Andrew covered basically everything that I had. Yeah. Uh, you know the the Sylvester original score. It, it, is it good? Yeah. Is it memorable? Eh. Does it hit some of the right notes? Yeah, mostly. Uh, but I think the other music that was inserted in with uh you know kind of your your boogie night say anything say anything thank you yep and it's a um who's the main character who's main actor oh uh i I didn't go that far um uh john cusack there it is cusack i knew it had a c in it all right anyways but yeah you get the boom box with the we're not gonna take it that that was perfectly done just because it's the double whammy yeah uh but just the insertions of the the pop music from you know the eighties and he said that was really well done. I think yeah. they were they made sense for what was happening and they fit with the idea of well this kid has been obsessing about this era because Halliday's obsessed about the era so he's going to revert to these yeah. right yeah uh, so yeah I, I that really helped it a lot because I think for the most part the score was just kind of it was there it was it was there but yeah the um they the pop music definitely pushes it probably from high, from like a, maybe a six. Well, we could also play the game of maybe the plot didn't give the score any emotional points to highlight. Yeah. Let's go to the plot, shall we? All right. Let's have some fun. We're who, gonna, wants, who wants I, first I'm going to start. One? I haven't started go for it, yet. Yeah, um, and we're definitely going to start on a low note. All right. And we're going to probably move higher. I don't know. I gave it a three. Oh, that's higher than I thought. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't that mean. We almost, I, I think we've already had threes on the show. I don't know if anyone was, any one of us has handed out a one, one or, or two. two like, yeah. like that, if you go down to a one or two, that is like true brutality of like, this was just terrible. It's mm-hmm. like a, it's like a restaurant not getting, like getting under an 85 health it, score. It's yeah. like, what did you do? <laughs> are you, are you like. Killing people? Right? Like, are you dissecting? <laughs> anyway, we're not going to go into that. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so the the plot, okay, I'm, I'm whenever I try and, and look at this, because I, I definitely had a very good positive reception to the book mm-hmm. whenever I read it. I, you know, I read it in two days. I loved it. It was a lot of fun. 
And whenever I watch these kind of films, I know that they're going to be different and I don't. They, they have try, to be different. Right? Yeah, I don't try and and hold it to the standard of what the book was. I want it to be the book, but it's probably not going to be that. That's OK. And so the three is not because the the it was different than the book. The right. movie just doesn't make any sense. <laughs> no. Uh, like, OK, so like. I'm not going to make a bulleted list because we're going to all talk about this. Yeah. Um, but my, fir my first and main point was, okay, so people have been doing this race for five years. Video game, people that play video games. They just try crazy they, stuff. They try crazy well, things. They break, that, they break games on release date. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, n you're telling me that literally no one has tried to reverse? Millions. Millions. Uh, at this point, there have been millions of attempts and no one has tried this. BS. Like, like. People beat Elden Ring with a speed run in 45 minutes on like what the first week or, or they're or they're beating a boss by playing it on a DDR pad. Yeah, come right? on. Like, come on. Like yeah. this is this is kind of an almost like Steven Spielberg is insulting gamers right yeah, here. It, it's like, oh, well, y'all are just kind of, oh, it's a clever trick. Well, you wouldn't. Hush, it, yeah, it's, it's kind <laughs> of like an insult to the intelligence of like you're just like, what? This makes literally no sense. Like you could have done anything else it's like yeah. someone who has read about gaming culture but doesn't really know no. about yeah they're like oh culture. yeah they can go well, backwards well, but they also yeah. don't understand just the concept of statistics like if you take a simple puzzle and you dump enough numbers on it one of them breaks it yeah just by yeah. default and that that is literally how like learning ai works is they you just run the simulation a million times because you can because the computer and guess what one of those Attempt solves it. Yeah, well, and, and you have five years of uh, what I, I think is daily races. Yeah, like multiple uh, times a day. Like, well, yeah, yeah, of when this, like, iterations that happen. And you have, uh, clearly, like, IOI has, you know, more than enough resources to just throw people at it. Which they and, do. Which yeah. they do. Well, I mean, they're, they're also billed as, like, the soulless corporation that they do not allow their employees the freedom of imagination so like well well that that's fine but they also have you know like the whole thing is that they have an entire crew of people that of, are behind, of support oh, behind they, them they, yeah. they, they do have the the think group yeah yeah the, the but but not even zoologists or yeah. whatever they're called but not yeah. even that like you have these characters like parsifal or or artemis that are Age. Very or All ages that people. are that are very in tune with how Halliday thought, yeah, and how he just his core mind works of like, oh, I like Easter eggs. Let's do things differently than what it is. Mm -hmm. And then you're just telling me that all of these characters just decided for the past five years to just just drive straight. Yeah, the the only thing I think that could have been a mitigating factor there without really changing anything else was to make it a substantial in-game resource sink Access. to attempt the yes. race. Which, which they kind of go into that a little bit because, you know, he starts out with no fuel, right? Yeah. Which they're kind of trying to kick back to the book bit of the fact that he's so poor. Mm-hmm. Uh, which that he can't even get off really, the, the, yeah, the, the, main the learning planet. planet. Yeah, learning yeah planet. but they don't even touch on that really. But they kind of hit on that a little bit. But if he literally can't start the race because he has almost no fuel mm -hmm. and then he just gets it because everyone's going to crash anyways, well, who cares? You know, yeah. like you could just putter along and pick up so many coins just following people. But like if if you end up like raising the stakes of each race, then you tamp down on not not enough, but you do tamp down on the number of attempts, just random uh, yeah, attempts right. to try stuff. Well, I mean, that still doesn't like IOI still just throws bodies. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Uh, the the only other point that I'm going to make, and I can't even remember if they actually touch on this in the book either, but 
the the fact that like in the movie you see you know all these uh, IOI people just get you know uh, killed in game mm-hmm. um, and their their rig shuts off and then you know everyone you know gets out of their thing and they run to the next spot but then other people fill in behind on that rig so like presumably it's a new login it's while a, that other person's like recreating well, okay a new so like the only the only thing that kind of supports that is that whenever artemis goes to ioi as essentially indentured servitude mm-hmm. um she still has her own character avatar mm-hmm. yes so somehow it's tied to like their bio personal identity like, yeah, or personal identity yeah. or something i don't know i don't know if yeah, that was that, ever that one is not well fleshed out. out yeah no, no not fleshed she's there in the flesh all right she's not thought out <laughs> uh-huh. well, i mean that ties right in with the whole big swaths of guys getting killed in game in exactly the same, same order, order that they are logged yeah. in yeah no it should have just been random people going down i know it looked really cool visually and you know what spielberg or whoever else was handling that the when you set off the cataclyst that looked great and that's fine it, it could fantastic. look exactly that way because yeah. they're on guard duty or whatever else don't do it for the other stuff yeah yeah uh, uh, okay, so I I've right, have I, that was two of my bullet points. I, I want to get in here and I want to get one thing in quick, just because it's my my quick beat, and then Joel can handle it for a little while. But uh, I gave it a five. Okay. Oh my god! I feel like that was pretty pretty generous. <laughs> so I I want to I want to take you back to the van, right? So this is this is in the book. This is not what happens, right? Correct. Uh, but well, yeah, because they're they're at Og's um, facility. facility. Or mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so, but they're, they're in this van driving through the streets of Columbus, whatever, that's fine. And they don't have like the access to like good rigs. So they're like suspended from the ceiling, right? Yeah. So think about the amount of movement that you do in this game as it's been expressed throughout the movie, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So throughout this big main battle, the four of them are beating the absolute crap out of each other in the back of this van. Yep. (laughs) Like... Percival does a full like double roundhouse kick in the middle of one of these fights. He just kicked the crap out of an 11 year old. (laughs) (laughs) Just launched him out the window. (laughs) Like, dude, just these are the kind of things that like just watching it. You're just like, man, nobody really considered like they really wanted this like van chase thing or whatever. That wasn't even really a chase. It just didn't Mm -hmm. need to happen. And then you also have the all powerful companies sending around drones that are just like, I'm sorry, but you launch a million drones. And like you digitize the city in like two days, you gotta find the postal van or whatever yeah. it is. It's just kind of unavoidable. Like it's just even like our current day, not fast forwarding forty years. Most of the large cities they have so many cameras. Like there's no way that you do something and it's not known or trackable almost immediately. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? like it's just so unreal. And like they're logged in. Well, they have an IP address. Well, okay, you know, like these <laughs> things are all findable. Uh. Yeah, I <laughs> well, especially because um, I think, well, no, no. So, like in the book, at least they don't explain this in the in the movie. But uh, the reason sure. why they're they're in Columbus, Ohio, is that is where Gregarious Games um, basically right. main center is, and that is the essentially fastest the, the fastest connection with the least amount of latency. Yeah, and it's also the the tech industry is built up around that, so you have access to resources. And I'm, yeah, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna jump in here. Jump this in. is like my main point, but I'm gonna go ahead and go for it and uh, spoil it here. But in the book, they didn't. They didn't all start out in Columbus. Nope. Correct. And they were all in completely they, different they were areas. All, all over the place. And so, the point where they just show up in H's van, oh, and they're man. like, "We're all here." It's yeah. like, oh no, this you're is, not. This is a worldwide access online 
game. And then everyone just happens everyone to be happened in the same. Everyone to be in the same city? Come on. Like all of the best. It's, oh, it was so and, bad. And you can justify it if you, if you reach into the book and talk about the fact that, well, well living here is what gives you best access. Mm-hmm. So if you move up in the Gunter world, that's, that's the that's logical where you place to be. move to. Mm-hmm. They don't. Nope. They don't even try. Nope. And I think that's maybe one of my other peeves here is the way the movie starts, it almost kind of assumes that you've read the book. Where they just kind of like toss Daito and show in there for you. Mm-hmm. And they don't take any time. Because I mean, he makes a big point. I don't clan up. Right? Mm-hmm. Well, well, so you just know these people or you're friends with them, but you're well, not clan. You're not really working with them. Like what? And they don't. You get that in the book. You get that whole progression. Right? Mm-hmm. Here, there's just no arc. They're just like Daito and show are. They're not even really supporting cast. Like they are so far down the totem pole in terms of characters in this. Yeah. So my my okay. So my fa- one of my favorite parts um, in the film. This is sarcasm. Uh, is <laughs> after okay. So like the um, so they're having like the car chase or whatever um, mm-hmm. at the end of the film, and uh, they're like, take it to the stacks. Okay, cool. You know, take it to the place you already know to where the people that. You know, route, the uh, common man. Yeah, the common man can mm-hmm. fight the corporation. Okay, cool. That's fine. And then, like, you know, all this happens and, you know, like, guns and death and art and stuff are happening where, right. like, people are trying to kill each other. And they 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 win the day and Sorrento gets um, uh, gets arrested with his um, finale or finale. whatever. <laughs> yeah, which is silly. Um, but then, like, you have a wide shot of the crowd and people have, like, literally, like, sports signs that say, like, Parzival and the high five. And, like, so, like, you guys just, like, had these? Yeah. Or did you, like, <laughs> you, like, you heard they were the coming? Stacks. So you just, like, got out your marker and just, like, made <laughs> yeah. a sign for you? It was just, like, like. The logistics of it is just so staggering now yeah. to me. Okay, well, so before yeah, before all the points are gone, um, I was well, also give us a score. I give was us a score. generous. Oh, okay, gosh, and I gave it a five. You people, <laughs> and it didn't help the final score much. No, <laughs> it shouldn't have either. Uh, so the you know I already talked about the high five all being in the same city, and that was just just stupid. So lazy. Yeah, um, it, it was literally. We only want to CGI one scene. You, you, not three. Yeah. you could literally just have one line of dialogue that just says it could. It could all be in game, like when they're talking to each other in game, because yeah. they, you know, haven't met each other IRL because they're not in the same city. Yeah, and it's just be like, hey, you know, gregarious games. That's the closest place to to have the least amount of latency. Done. Yeah, you don't yeah. have you don't have to yeah. have anything else. Continue. Right. So <laughs> then. Then the other the other thing that's just like because it's it's a huge part of the resolution in the third act, and that is Ogden Morrow being the curator, just hanging around waiting for Parzival to show up. Just like was he there the whole time, every single tour of every person ever? Millions, or he was just millions. waiting. Like, can you imagine what his life was like when the <laughs> Easter egg was first announced? Or twenty four seven? Or was the curator an an AI that he only took over? Once it was like, oh, like these are recognized gunters and I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna vet them personally. Or we don't like, know because we weren't told it in the movie at all. It's so ridiculous. And so it's just it's just bad. Well also <laughs> him just having the bet, like I get they want to give him the extra life coin. Again, we're, yeah. we're referencing book, but it just being kind of the the one off bet of like, well, the the dude's the curator. He should know the number. Like, if it is an actual AI, yeah. they should know the ref number of times this is. Like, this is literally what search engines do. Yeah, there's. Well, okay. So, like, the other problem is um, 
them having like mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, like okay never mind that's that is a book comparison and i'm not going to do that until we get to the okay. entertainment so, anyway okay okay well, hold <laughs> and, on. And, and talking about book references the fact that there was a a death in the high five yep in the book raised the stakes yeah everything bit. that was going on yeah because like, they're like oh bit. this is real yes and you really needed that in the movie yeah mm-hmm. because the the whole the soulless corporations are going to take over the oasis and monetize everything in our lives is really cerebral. It is not easy to connect to those sorts of stakes. What what I find hilarious too is just the irony of um, you know the bad guy is a soulless corporation that is trying to you know monetize yeah. the virtual world, and that's kind of what WB did with the film. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you played yourself. Oh, we got an Avatar reference here. Yeah. Uh, I was going to uh, jump in. We're going to stay. We're going to stay away from the book for now. I'm, I'm going to stay away from it. So let's talk about something that wasn't earned. How about an entire love story romance <clears throat> that just wasn't earned? What Nothing. are you talking about? They earned that. He put on his his microfiber haptic suit. <laughs> <laughs> microfiber <laughs> crotch inlay. <laughs> <laughs> Don't say that. <laughs> I'm I'm ten percent more dead now. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Only got to do it nine more times. Microfiber. No. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, why were they in love? Because they're the main characters. Yeah. No, that was it. Like, she even says, you don't know. Like, like H makes the point. You don't know who, who she could be. She makes the point. You don't know me. Blah, blah, blah. And they try when they, you know, he rewinds time and they get out of the dance floor. They try to have her have the little bit of. Well, she's like pushing him away because she doesn't want someone close, right? Yeah. But like they've interacted like three times up to this point. Yeah. Like there's nothing there's there's nothing there. It's unfortunate. It is so unfortunate. And just oh do we want to go on to entertain? Let's go on to let's entertainment. Enter- let's, let's entertain ourselves with some entertainment scores. And this is where book re- book comparisons are completely legal. 100% valid. Yes. And um, it is going to be brutal. For some. Joel, what you got? I got an eight. What? Whoa. This is Boy, completely subjective. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Justify yourself. I enjoyed this film. That's all the justification I need. Because that's it's, it? that's because all, it's subjective. I, <laughs> I, I don't even... No, like, it was a fun ride. Like, I would go on that ride again. I would... No. <laughs> I would pay my ticket to go on that ride I can, again. I can assure I you did, my I, score is below I, my threshold. I personally did not have fond connections to the book. Like that, I said, okay, I, thought it, I thought it was an interesting thought experiment, but I did not enjoy any of the that's characters. That's fair. Of the three of us, you're the coldest on the book. Right. That's fair. So, like, this is this is a completely separate thing to me, untethered to any any uh, responsibilities to its roots. And as such, I felt like it lived up to what it promised. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I enjoyed that. Okay. I'm going to go next because I'm pretty sure this is going to be a sliding scale. (laughs) (laughs) I gave it a five. Right. That is below my threshold of a rewatch. I probably wouldn't have gone out of my way to rewatch the movie if we weren't reviewing it. And watching it was just a 
this is so much worse than I like. If you had asked me if I had not rewatched this and just said, "Hey, do you remember Ready Player One?" Yeah, it was pretty entertaining. I'm maybe a seven. Maybe I maybe I'll rewatch it one day. Nope, 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 nope. <laughs> Learn my lesson there. <laughs> and that's not even a book reference. Like the idea that this was released in 2018 and the CGI like makes my skin crawl in the way it does mm-hmm. is kind of brutal like if you had told me oh yeah this came out in 2012 like oh yeah that was about when it came out well you know cgi's got a decade to improve no this is pretty modern pretty high budget cgi and mm-hmm. it's it's rough and then yeah just oh well we're all in, we're, we're all in columbus welcome to the rebellion kill me now yeah <laughs> what are, rebellion who are you rebelling who, against and nobody else is brought up again we just have it's literally lame, never referenced lame ever again yeah. oh no best moment ever the stacks come down, right? And and Parsifal or Wade goes into his little hideout and then the rebellion dude chloroforms him and just stares straight at the camera just for like a solid four to five seconds. What in the heck are you people doing when you shot this film? Yeah, like you could have at least done it to where like it was a closer shot of Wade and then just a, a you know, chloroform hand goes mm. over his mouth and then pff, blackout. You don't have to see like this. <laughs> this like, like, <laughs> no, it, and like none of that's book complaints, right? Mm-hmm. I, I haven't complained. I haven't made the compare in the entertainment section so far. I've made some references to the other because it's just it's really low hanging fruit because you have this this thing and we will all freely admit that. There's a lot in the book that could not be adapted to film, sure. right? It's Absolutely. all, it's very cerebral. It's very inner monologue. It's very just way, essentially, it would just be a movie of him talking to himself, yeah. right? And no one wants that. Yeah. But good Lord, Andrew, <laughs> let's hear it. Um, I gave it a three. Oh we man, still I, was, haven't hit the I was hoping for one. that too. I was wondering myself. <laughs> I, would, I would rather watch Book of Boba Fett than again, than watch this movie. Oh man. Oh, that's a long that time commit. It- that puts it in perspective. So, okay, so this is the thing. Is I'm kind of in the same boat as Steven because we all saw it together. Yeah. And we all walked out of the theater. And we we're like generally positive. Yeah, that yeah. was like, yeah. that, was, that was fine. You know, like it wasn't the book. That's fine. And we, we all understood. Yeah. Changes like, had to happen. Yeah, absolutely. And then, you know, you know, years go by and you're, you know, you're kind of like, oh, yeah, Ready Player One. That was a movie that existed. And, um, and then like, it'll come up like, oh, do you want to watch that? No, I'm good. (laughs) And, and, and there's like, whenever, whenever you kind of like go through a movie like that to where you're like, you, you thought you liked it. And then every time there's a chance for it to like, for you to watch it again. And you're kind of like, eh, I'm good. I don't Mm -hmm. really need to watch that. There probably is an indicator somewhere. (laughs) There's there's something in there that's just saying, Hey, by the way. Yeah. Um, and the uh, it was just a um just a brutal um just thought process of why and how they they changed the book from what it was into well, whatever it is now and, it, and it's not even oh they changed it it's just it didn't exist this is so much worse well what so what kills me is the the kind of the whole point of the first um the first challenge in the book is that anyone literally can do it right so joel earlier in this segment uh, not this segment but earlier segments made the argument of well it's more believable if it's hard to get in-game material it's hard to get to right and that yeah. limits the thing the whole purpose of the, whole the concept first, was mm-hmm. the open world freedom anyone could compete right yeah 
Yeah, and and the reason why anyone could compete was because it is on an educational planet, meaning that free access that is to free access to everyone, mm-hmm. and that them basically making it to where you had to have a fast car, you had to you had to be able to to afford to run, go in the race mm-hmm. is directly against what Halliday wanted. Period or, mm-hmm. or like, spouses, yeah. yeah. Like, and that is that is not one of those things where it's like that is a core concept of the franchise and the story. That is not a difference between, oh, I didn't like that they had a race instead of going through mm-hmm. a, um, you know, a vector craft dungeon that's just on a, you know, a school planet. It's, it's literally just a core change. Oh, of, I, of, I watched Wheel of Time on Prime. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. It's kind of, it's kind of insulting because like I can, I can totally understand that they, they didn't have the money or the budget or whatever to no, get they war. The, they had the budget. Or, or to oh, get the property, yeah, to yeah, get okay, war yeah. games for mm-hmm. um uh, for for that, like that's totally fine. I completely can understand that, and I forgive them for that. I would rather have war games. I don't like The Shining. I like war games. Matthew Broderick's fantastic in that film. But see, war games, great film. Yeah, um, real hack. You know, then then you know, obviously <laughs> they they basically combined um the final challenge with the the attack on the base mm-hmm. which is two completely different things in the book cuz you have the rush um uh album kind of thing mm-hmm. for the final challenge and then you have then everyone needs to go to Anorak's castle to actually open up the gate yeah. because uh, but then IOI is there defending defending it, it because mm-hmm. they have just basically entrenched themselves to make sure that no one else could get it whenever it happens mm-hmm. and it's just like there there's just some of these choices that they make. And I actually like that they I I did like the change where um Artemis basically goes to infiltrate IOI instead of Wade because it basically well, just gives her something to do. It gives her do. something to do. Yeah, it's much mm-hmm. stronger for her as a yeah. character. Yes. Um but then just basically removing Ogden Morrow as a character for throughout the entire film. Mm-hmm. Is just unfortunate one because it's Simon Pegg and he's a good actor and he would be fun to kind of see interact with the characters and stuff. They needed all the help they could get. (laughs) Give them three (laughs) seconds at the end of the movie. Yeah, but then you know, again, it's just one of those things where it it really makes the quotation marks worldwide experience that these characters are hypothetically involved in really small when everything happens in Columbus, Ohio. Yep. Yeah, it's it's and at least in the book, what they go to Oregon. Uh, yes, I think it's some it's Pacific Northwest. Yeah, uh, yeah. It. I had I had a good one. You you touched on something a moment back that that flashed in my brain for just a moment. I I cannot read your mind, so I have well, no. Oh, idea. I know what I know what it was. Uh, so I get it. You can't afford war games. Yeah, that's totally fair. You can't afford The Shining. Okay, that's fine, but you also subverted the core concept of that scene. Of well, you have to be flawlessly able to, hit. Like yeah. you could have easily done. Like well, the IOI drones can't do it because none of them connect with it, and just having someone talking in their ear isn't enough for them to to be able to to, 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 to pull it. the scene off completely. Whereas they can because they've lived it, breathed it, doing mm-hmm. all this research, right? Yeah. Like uh, like they had like they have so many other films that they could just pull it's from. Warner Brothers. They have a huge that Space Jam Two proved it. They have a huge catalog <laughs> yeah. to pull from, right? Like, man, it. <sighs> It's just unfortunate. It is. And it was just, it's just, it wasn't even like a, oh, oh, it wasn't the book. Because like we said, you know, first impression was, yeah, it wasn't the book, but, you know, I can, I can totally understand that changes had to be made. And then, you know, actually watching it from kind of a critical perspective was like, yeah, you had to change things, but what are you doing? Yeah, it was, 
it was just yeah because watching it the second time because i was not actually looking forward to watching it the second time when nope. when initially it was like oh cool ready player one i'll watch that again mm-hmm. and then the more i thought about it i'm like i don't know if i really want to watch that again mm-hmm. but then i have to because you know <laughs> we have a podcast about it yeah and man the dialogue was so much more cringe than i ever 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 thought I it was pretty it cringe but it, it's probably also cringe in the book i just don't remember it as much yeah probably yeah. You just don't have to watch an actor what, do it. What, what little dialogue you actually get in the book. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. A lot of internal dialogue. Now, Joel, do you have any other passing thoughts? Uh, no. Justify that A. Come on. I, I already did. He got his spec- it is completely a, he subjective. Gave it a B. That makes me feel worse. <laughs> but he gave it a B. A subjective B. Not That's... an objective B. Yeah. Okay. I, so you broke me with that one. <laughs> we gave it we gave it a five point three total for right. Yeah. Entertainment and, for entertainment. And, and frankly, like the more that we talk, the more that you're making what I wish I had written a lot lower. So <laughs> so so in terms of of a debate result, you can mark this as a win for you guys. Heck yes. <laughs> yes. If if there is a win that to be had over Joel, I will take it. Now, he, Joel said that we're right. He's wrong. That is all the time we have for this episode. (laughs) Until next time, I'm Steven. I'm Andrew. And I'm Joel. And every spoiler was intended. Thank you for tuning in. If you like what you heard, you can support the show for as low as $1 at patreon.com slash spoilers intended podcast. We also have a Discord server and would love to have more people joining in the conversation. Links are in the description below. Thank you.